0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. UFC back in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 19. Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis in a big heavyweight tilt. We'll of course be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card. As part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you a parlay and an underdog that we think will make your wallet happy this weekend. And speaking of heavyweights, we also have two heavyweights joining us for interviews on the show today. First, I'll be talking with Chris Dawkins before his fight with Alexio Linick. We talk both about his path to the title at heavyweight, as well as how he feels about the grappling game of Alexio Linick. And then at the end of the show, I'll be talking to Jared Vandera as he gets ready for his UFC debut, which has been pushed off a little bit. He talks about that layoff and the bout with Sergey Spivek. And we'll be getting all that great content in just a moment. But before we do, I have to let you know that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettor, providing insights and free betting picks as well as analysis. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to Better Than Vegas, and from there, you can browse, search, and follow cappers and sports personalities as they give you the thoughts on upcoming sports contests and where their money lies. You already read and listen to some of these people day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. Now you get to hear their picks for the week right from their mouth and in and every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there this week, and that's Better Than Vegas you can see a pick from Shockwave Dave, who's going to give you a few bonus selections to go along with our fights, dogs, and parlays. And you can only see them on our Better Than Vegas page by searching for Top Turtle Podcast on betterthan.vegas. But no matter what you do, when you go there, also make sure you hit the follow button on our account because you're going to want to get these picks week in, week out, and we will be right there giving them on betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode top turtle mma podcast and it starts right now
1: the hosts are ready the fighters are ready listeners make some noise if you are ready for top turtle mma with shockwave and gumby
0: All right, and joining me today is Chris Dawkins who fights Alexio Linick at the Apex on February 20th. So, Chris, I wanted to start here. You debuted less than half a year ago in the UFC. You're now fighting a top 10 heavyweight. How crazy has this last six months been for you?
2: It's it's definitely been uh, like a whirlwind. You know, I I didn't think that I'd be getting you know a, a top 10 guy this quick. But that's just the nature of the heavyweight division. And uh, I'm certainly looking to, to capitalize on that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's just what I plan on doing. And uh, we're just going to be, you know, meeting this challenge head on and just moving forward. And, and you
0: said you didn't expect such a big challenge or such a big name or such a highly ranked opponent right off the bat. What was sort of your response when they they came to you and said, what do you think about fighting number 10 Alexi Olenek?
2: There was no, there was no question that I was, I was going to take the fight. There's no hesitation, no anything like that. It was, you know, they, they have obviously, you know, some kind of faith in me and my abilities. So obviously I'm, I'm going to go along with that and then uh, take this challenge head on. And I I honestly can't, can't wait to, to compete.
0: And, and you said they've got a lot of faith in you. I think that's definitely true. Two first round knockouts certainly uh, will do that for you. Do you feel like you've gotten to show all parts of your game? Because, you, you know on the regional scene back in CFFC and other other places you showed that you have a really well-rounded game but for the most part we've only seen striking out of you
2: yeah yeah uh obviously uh you know my first two fights were uh, pretty quick um so i don't believe that i've gotten to show my full my full arsenal yet um but i'm i'm actually really fine with that you know if 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 i go in there and i keep getting first round knockouts and first round TKOs um it just it just proves what I've been saying, you know, this whole time is that I should have been here a while ago, and I'm definitely one of the best heavyweights in the world.
0: For sure. And, and you know, I know your accolades are, are obvious in jiu-jitsu. You're very good on the ground yourself, but you're stepping in there with a guy who's Pretty much known for his insane submission record, he's got like 50 wins in his career, and like 45 of them are by submission. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, do you see that as being uh, your path to victory, as keeping it standing, or do you feel like you can mix it up with Olinick on the ground as well?
2: Um, it's it's a mix, it's a mixed martial arts fight. I'm I'm not afraid to go to the ground with him. I feel that my skill set would favor the stand up, um, and his would favor you know obviously the the clinch in the ground game. I'm not concerned about getting taken down if I get taken down. you know i, I have the skill set to either get back up or properly defend on the ground and then um, create some scrambles and, and then get up. Um, you know don't be surprised if if I'm attacking for some missions during this fight. you know everyone is saying how you know how great his ground game is and and he's proven that, but i I just think that I can compete honestly with any of the the heavyweights in the in the division and especially at their own game. That, that's a bold
0: statement there, too, because he is certainly skilled on the ground. Now, I'm, I'm curious, being that he is kind of, uh, I don't want to call him a one-dimensional fighter, but a, a fighter whose one dimension is much higher than some of his other dimensions. Do you yes. feel like you, you spent a whole bunch more time in this training camp working with, you know, specifically grapplers, working on your grappling, or do you feel like you just are going to kind of let your skills play out the way that they usually play out?
2: No, I'm uh, I'm gonna let them let them play out the way that they usually play out. You know, pretty much every fight camp, I'm I'm defending a takedown. I'm I'm you know doing some sort of grappling. I come from a jiu-jitsu school, so obviously w- that we are grappling heavy. That's what really, people really don't see during my fights is that you know I'm gonna say 85 to 90 percent of my fight camp is is grappling or and or wrestling. So I very rarely spend a lot of time specifically striking and that's i guess that's what kind of throws a lot of people off is that when the fights come around i i specifically just let my hands go just because it's it, it's fun it's you know it's, it's what people watch heavyweights it's the reason why they watch heavyweights and um you know february 20th it's it's going to be you know more or less the same thing going to go in there and let my hands fly and if he can take the punches and you know the the punches and the kicks good for him but you know If not, so be it.
0: Well, and I'm interested in what you said there. You said that that people watch heavyweights for the knockouts, and I'm sure that that's actually true. But I'm curious, do you think that there's a gap in the heavyweight division for somebody like yourself who has high-level jujitsu? I know if we go back years, you know, you had the Frank Mears, who was a big grappler, and and the the Big Nogs, who were the big grapplers. But you don't have that as much anymore, especially in the jujitsu realm. Do you feel like you sort of fill that void?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I I think I feel a lot of the voids that are present in the heavyweight division. I mean, if you look at the heavyweight champ, Stipe, he's he's extremely well-rounded. He he has great cardio, he's got great boxing. Um he's got a great chin and, you know, when he gets on top and he gets, you know, stays heavy, he's he's a he's he's like a house on top of you and um there's really no one else in the division like that, you know, who's who's well-rounded. There's, you know, Francis Ngannou's got he's got the the most power in the division arguably against Derek Lewis. You know, Curtis Blades probably you know on paper the best wrestling in the division. He's got some cardio but his striking's not the best and I I just think that I'm I'm right there with Stipe in, in the fact that my gra- my game is extremely well-rounded to where I can definitely make a run at this.
0: For sure and I mean you mentioned all the names at the top of the division and this is a top 10 guy. So with a win over Alexio Linick where do you see yourself falling in the next fight? I know this was a big jump for you in the first place, but but you know what are you looking at not looking past this one obviously if you do win this yeah
2: fight? yeah, I, obviously not looking past this at all you know you, you have to give respect to to who Alexi is and and his skill set um but you know everything goes according to plan get this win, get out of there uh no injuries, everything all good um I really don't know just because there's a lot of heavyweight fights that are are coming up. So, it wouldn't be right, you know, to, to say anyone's name or, you know, just because everyone already has kind of a fight scheduled and or is, you know, fighting on the same night that I am. So, um, but realistically, I, uh, you know, I beat Linux and then I just keep rising to the top. There's There should be no reason why I should be, you know, taking a fight against an unranked guy after this fight. So, it, it's just pretty much top 10 or, or or that's it. So, I beat him and then I just climb the ranks just trying to get to the belt
0: and, and you, you we're at the beginning of the year you obviously had a quick six months to get two very quick wins in the UFC you got this fight booked already in 2021 do, do you have goals for the end of 2021 is this you know are you reasonably looking at you know making a run at the belt this year
2: yeah I, absolutely I as long as I could stay healthy and I can get the fights you know if, if other fighters who would project me you know closer to that belt are healthy I'll I'll take the fights. I'm, you know, realistically looking to fight um, three to four times this year. Um, So I'll fight February, maybe, you know, April or May, and then, you know, just see where that takes me. Um, Definitely finish out the year uh, in the top five, if not in that, you know, that number two or number one contender spot, and then setting up for 2022, setting up uh, for that
3: title shot.
0: Well, we're looking forward to that. Before I let you go, I do like to try to get a prediction out of my fighters before I let him go. So you're fighting Alexio Olenek February 20th at the Apex. How do you see this one
2: going down? Uh, first round TKO. All
0: right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Chris Dacus, who fights Alexio Olenek at the UFC Apex on February 20th. Chris, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Of course. Thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. And the
0: interview with Chris Dacus is brought to you by Vigit. They're one of our new sponsors. Vigit is the first gamified social network for sports bettors. It's 100% free to download, and it gives sports bettors like me and you a place to talk about sports betting, compete against our friends, and see all the betting trends so that you can make better bets. Viget has a free-to-play sports book, which gives you the opportunity to win real prizes without risking any real money. You can win T-shirts, Amazon gift cards, and even a PS5. I encourage you to go check it out and make sure to use referral code TTP just like top turtle podcast TTP for 200 or 2,500 free Vigit coins. Vigit has also an awesome betting league feature where you can compete against others, including me and shockwave Dave. We've got a league set up just for you guys. So make sure you just search for top turtle podcast or hit the join league button and enter the password sport202, that's sport 202 that sport 202. 202. And once again, make sure to download the Vigit app, totally free, in the App Store. Download it today. Now, of course, joining me as always now is Shockwave Dave Tremonte Dave, let's start by talking about what happened this past weekend. Kamara Usman, big win over Gilbert Burns, and then he calls for the, the Jorge Masvidal rematch. He also teased that maybe he'd like GSP in the post-fight presser. What's next for the welterweight title in Kamara Usman?
1: Alright. I get Why Kamara Usman's calling out Jorge Masvidal. He wants those fat envelope fights. Masvidal is obviously a huge name in the sport. But in my world, you don't get a rematch when you got 50-45 last summer. Masvidal needs to go on a two-fight winning streak at the minimum and then come back and you could sell me on the rematch, but there's nothing stylistically there where I need to see it again. I get why Usman does it. It's the same reason that Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor call out people after a big win because they know how to keep their brand and at the top of people's mind. Usman with the right call because that's what's best for his pocketbook. But here's what's best for the welterweight division, Gumby. In an ideal world, in in a perfect world, it's uh, – George St. Pierre coming out of retirement, or it's Khabib stepping up and same manager be damned, the greatest super fight in the history of the UFC. But since I don't think either of those scenarios are happening, because technically both are retired, I kind of like Wonderboy. I got to tell you, it's an interesting stylistic matchup. He's coming off a win. And uh, if not Wonderboy, you know, I'm open to hear what
0: you think. You know, some are throwing out Leon Edwards. Well, where do you go on this? So I think ultimately the answer has to be that the UFC just kind of has to let the welterweight division shake itself out. Maybe maybe have Colby versus Masvidal. The winner of that is clearly a challenger. You know, I, I hear Leon Edwards and I hear the people who put on our, our Twitter when we ran a poll earlier that I, you know, didn't include Leon Edwards on like, I hear what you're saying about Leon Edwards, but the fact of the matter is the guy hasn't fought in two years. And that was a decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos. So like, I'm not sold on him as a challenger until he does something in the next, you know, two years. So I think if, if I had to, you know, like if Usman wanted to be booked, you know, next month, let's say, and, and he needed a, a title challenger, I think you're right. I think Wonderboy is the most interesting one from a stylistic standpoint. It, uh, Masvidal makes the most sense money wise. And I think ultimately the best way to settle all of that is to just get some of these guys fighting each other. And when you book Usman sometime in, you know, August or September, he's got a clear-cut number one contender.
1: I'll tell you this much, if you want to say that there's not a clear-cut number one contender at 170, and I get that, i rather see Usman go up to 185 and fight Israel Adesanya than I want to see Israel Adesanya go up to 205 and fight Jan Blachowicz. Yeah,
0: I, I like it. But again, both of them being from Nigeria and both of them, you know, like having that that camaraderie that they both had even with um Francis Naganu as well as sort of that like, you know, group of fighters from Africa who all kind of banded together and rose to the top of the division. I don't think they would go for that. And, and like, you know, kind of like we said with both the GSP and Habib matchups, I think in an ideal world while we were waiting for Welterweight to shake out, that would be a better choice than just jamming Jorge all back in there to get 50 45 again. But, again, I, I just don't think it, they're going to go for it. I don't, I don't think that that's a plausible possibility. All right.
1: Well, I'll tell you what is a possibility. It's our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, parlays. For UFC Blades versus Lewis this coming weekend, but Gumby, before we start breaking down fights, one may wonder if any company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays.
0: Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, add techniques in that you want to drill over and over again, log your weigh-ins even. So many features in there. Check them all out. Wherever it is, you download apps. That's Maroon Social. All
1: right, let's start with the main event. Curtis Blades, a favorite of this show, the minus 325 favorite, has taken on Derek Lewis, a plus 285 dog. Lewis is always a live dog because he has lightning in his hands. I am actually excited on this. Much like DC, when he faced Lewis, it gets frustrating sometimes where you see people take Lewis down and he just gorilla presses them up no jiu-jitsu technique he just kind of gets up and I don't think that is going to be possible against Curtis Blades much like it was impossible against DC Blades is a master of ground and pound I fully expect him to get Lewis to the ground and finish this interested to hear where your thoughts lie who you taking?
0: yeah I'm taking Curtis Blades and not only am I taking him I actually like the negative 325 number I think there's actually value on Curtis Blades either putting him in a parlay or, or even just betting him straight up there because I, I don't even think Derek Lewis has that much of a chance because, like you said, he's going to take him down like DC did. It's not easy to just gorilla strength somebody like Curtis Blades back to your feet. And then in addition to that, the other thing too is that Curtis Blades isn't like DC on the ground he puts you away. He he does damage. Uh, you know, we watched him knock out Alistair Overeem from guard. So, like, I, I think that this is a nightmare matchup for Derek Lewis. Of course, there's the possibility that he throws the big hammer at some point because every round starts on the feet. But I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure he's going to make it back to the second or make it to the second round. And And I definitely don't think he's making it to the third.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely liking the under in that fight. Let's move then to Caitlin Vieira, another very strong favorite here at minus two seventy. So almost betting off at three to one uh, to Yannick Konekskaya, who's a plus two thirty dog. So a
0: two to one dog. Who you got? I've got Caitlin Vieira, and I hate to sound all chalky here, especially with the big favorites. But I actually think there's some value here on Yannick, or on uh, Caitlin Vieira too, because while she has time and time again kind of come in here as a a overwhelming favorite and maybe looked good, but maybe not looked entirely dominant. I think here she's got a clear advantage in the wrestling. She's got a clear advantage in the strength. And Yana guy is somebody who's gotten taken down a fair amount of times by people like Marion Renault. So yeah, I I like Catelyn Vieta here. I actually think she's probably on the short list of contenders for Amanda Nunes. You know, I I think kind of everybody is, you know, three tiers below Amanda Nunes in this division. But this win should put Ketlin Vieta close, and, and I think deservedly so. Uh,
1: we'll move then back to heavyweight. Kind of a fun matchup here. Alexio Linick, uh is a plus-155 dog, but much like uh, Derek Lewis is always a live dog because of his hands, Alexio Linick is always a live dog because of his sub game. He is a master of the Ezekiel choke, both from top and bottom position. He's taking Chris Daw- taking on Chris Dawkus, a minus 175 favorite. Who you got?
0: I'm going to go with Dawkins here, and not just because we talked to him earlier on the show, but I'm, I'm going to go with Dawkins because, look, the guy has got decent defensive wrestling. He's got a jujitsu black belt. And, and you know, not, not you can say not all black belts are created equal because obviously Alexi Olinik is a crazy good black belt. But this is going to start on the feet. And as long as he can keep those feet for a relative amount of time, there's a reason he's fighting the number 10 heavyweight in the world in just his third UFC fight. And it's because he hits like a truck, especially for a guy who's not like a maxed out 265 heavyweight. You know, we're talking about a guy who's like a 235, 245 heavyweight. And, And I think here the the advantage on the feet is so pronounced that I think Chris Dacus keeps it on the feet long enough and just absolutely peppers Olenek. Plus, it's it's worth mentioning, too, Olenek, who's like 155 years old, he doesn't have the best gas tank anymore, and he's going against a younger, more chipper fighter who's got definitely, definitely, definitely way better cardio.
1: All right, let's get what the hardcore gamblers want to hear. Let's get to it right now. Let's hear the dog of the week
0: and the parlay to play. So for our underdog of the week, I'm going with Andre Arlovsky at plus 220 over Tom Aspinall. Look, I am a shameless Andre Arlovsky fan. There's a picture of him hanging next to where I'm recording this as we speak. So yes, am I a mark of his? For sure. But if you look at his last two fights, he's gone in there against hot prospects who knock out their opponents time and time again. And pretty much that's all they do. And what has he done? He's turned it into a point fight and put them into a fight where they have no idea what they're doing. He did that to Felipe Lins. He did it to Tanner Bolser. And he outpointed both of them. Tom Aspinall has never won a fight that has gone into the second round. Never in his career. He's finishing everybody in the first round. And Andre Orlovsky just doesn't take risks that, that expose him to early knockouts anymore. So... With that being said, I love Andre Orlovsky here, especially at plus 220. Definitely, as fight time rolls around, look for that prompt for Andre Orlovsky by decision. You're probably going to see that in the plus 400 to 500 range. And let me tell you something, that is a steal. Uh, as for our parlay of the week, I'm pairing the aforementioned Ketlin Vieda over Yana Kunitskaya, uh, which, you know, we've already been over that fight, so I don't need to dig into it again. I'm pairing her with Danny Chavez, who's betting off at negative 135 against Jared Gordon. If you pair those two together, you're going to get it at right around plus 140. I think Danny Chavez is not being talked about enough. His debut win over TJ Brown was amazing. Working those low calf kicks. His kicks are thunderous. His hips are heavy when he stuffs the takedowns. And TJ Brown is no slouch in the grappling department. And he's fighting a guy who's been knocked out a fair amount of time. So when you see a guy with thunderous hands and heavy hips up against a guy who has really been knocked out too many times, you've got to sort of question it. So at negative 135, and that number keeps going up and up as the money comes in on Danny Chavez, I think that with Ketlin Vieira is a slam dunk pick here. All right.
1: That is it for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays this week. Hey, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we are pretty good at what we do. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. We'll be live tweeting during the show this weekend at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Follow along. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Gumby, if you think of the Top Turtle podcast much like you think of a UFC fight, I would say we're through three rounds right now. We're cruising. We're feeling good. The cardio's good. It's been a fun fight. But let's
0: head into the championship rounds now. What should we do next? Well, to round out the show, we are going to give you our interview with Jared Vandera. But before we do that, I do want to tell you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast and this upcoming interview is brought to you by Jock Market. Jock Market, look, we've all played daily fantasy sports and saw one of our guys put up an absolute dud of a first half. You wish you could just sell him off and start fresh in the second half. Well, now you can with Jock Market because Jock Market is the only daily fantasy sports app that allows you to buy and sell players as stock commodities while the games are going on. You bid on the player's IPO right at the beginning, and Jock Market issues those shares to the highest bidders. And there you can buy and sell, like I said, during the games with other users as the price of your players rise and fall. And at the end of the night, you get paid out based on their final performance. Jock Market's live right now for the NBA and the PGA. So head on over to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download Jock Market right now. And when you do, make sure to use promo code TURTLE10 for a free $10 on your first deposit of 20 or more, Jock Martin brings you this interview with Jared Vandera. All right, and joining me now is Jared Vandera, who fights Sergey Spivak at the UFC Apex on February 20th. So, Jared, I wanted to take you back to winning the contract on the Contender Series. You win that back in November. You get booked for the quick turnaround in December, just a month after you win that con- uh, that contract. Now, obviously, you had to pull out with covid how how devastating was that for you knowing that you were gonna get the quick turnaround, you're already in shape for the fight?
3: Uh, it was kind of a mix of a bag of emotions because week of the fight I was you know, like going into that fight, I felt amazing, but one thing I didn't really tell people is I had a really uh I either pulled something or bruised my ribs and like, and like a couple of days before I even went out, I was rolling with one of my boys and I just, I really like made things worse and breathing and all that stuff was just a pain. So I was like, but I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, I'm not going to fight. So I was planning on fighting and then luckily in a sense, I, I got COVID. It's not one of those things where I was happy about, but at the same time, you know, going on to say rib injury and stuff like that is a lot bigger than some of the other injuries that you hear about, like a guy with a broken toe or a guy with a broken hand. A lot of those guys will just tough it out, but like, you know, you kinda of need your ribs, you know, a big part of your core. So it was one of those weird blessings in disguise things, but, you know, it still sucked because I was hoping to have my second UFC fight roughly around this time.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I want to, before we get into that UFC fight too, I want to talk about your training camp then because obviously COVID puts a a huge snag in it because, you know, it's limited amounts of training, limited amounts of things that you could do. And then obviously the rib injury was taking some time to heal. How have you felt that this training camp is going, being that you were recovering for both of those things, you know, as recently as December?
3: Oh, honestly, like I do have a really good, like, like, I recovered pretty well. COVID didn't do nothing to me. Like, I mean, like, I I know people that it's messed up their lungs and cardio. My cardio feels fine. Um, My ribs, you know, it, I don't know exactly what it was. But, yeah, no, I took about, I think, a total of, like, three weeks off. Just because timing-wise, it worked out, Uh, you know, I had, you know, I had the fight week already planned out for fights. So when I tested positive, I mean, I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. So tested positive And then I actually got another COVID test the following Monday. Though I didn't get the results back until Friday, but it came back negative. So I was like, oh, well, I could have kind of trained all week. But I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt to just relax, take a you know, couple weeks off. The following week was Christmas, so I was just, like, I already planned on vegging out for Christmas week, but I'm, like, the following week is New Year's, and I I, I don't care about New Year's, so I was, like, all right, let's get back into it, so I've been training, like, the last week of December, uh, till now, so, I mean, not really, like, I mean, I feel fine. I've added uh, more, uh, I've added a lot more uh, coming into this fight than I did, uh, you know, doing that quick turnaround. So I'm excited to see how it's going to go.
0: We're obviously excited to see how it's going to go, too. And, and I know you're you're happy that you got the same opponent in Sergei Spivak, being that after Contender Series, his name was the first one out of your mouth. Do, do you feel like you could share why exactly Sergei Svivak was an interesting name for you, uh, even it, it, before the contract was officially
3: offered? Uh, yeah, no, it's just you know I wanted to fight him in the region. We were supposed to fight in the regional scene, and you know, uh, I I want to say like I I, I do kind of retract one of my statements of him kind of running from me. I made a statement saying that I wasn't for sure if it was him running for me or his coaches slash managers said no to my fight. Um, Honestly, I think they were just trying to get him into the UFC first and foremost. And now, you know, he immediately accepted the fight. So I I know it's not that he's running away from me. I just think that at the time when we were supposed to fight, he pulled out. It was maybe because of some of his uh management and coaching staff was like hey this isn't going to be an easy fight for you and you're not going to win a lot of money plus you know we want you in the UFC more so than this and so i like because of that regional scene fight i just wanted to take that fight on now but on a bigger show
0: yeah, I, I like that a lot. Now, I'm curious too. You, you spent quite a long time on the, the regional circuit. Did you feel like you had a lot of those instances where, you know, you're you're a, you're a tough matchup for a lot of heavyweights. There's not a lot of good jiu-jitsu guys out there who who lean on their jiu-jitsu in the heavyweight division. Did you did you see a lot of people pulling out with those same kind of reasons?
3: No. I was just getting people that would just say no. Um like, for the most part, like, okay, so my first loss, I was 5-0. and I was, like, 23, 24, something like that. I just couldn't find anyone. Uh, this is actually half the reason why I broke down and got a manager, because I was a very independent, do-it-yourself kind of thing. I was just like, I can't find a fight. Like, no one wants to fight me. I mean, like, it was hard. I went... Um, I had to take my fourth fight literally on a 24 hour notice. Um, my fifth fight was, I think, like a two, three week notice. Like I was taking short fights because no one wanted to fight me. And so that one, that one, like, so when I got a manager, they're like, oh, we want to try to find you fights. And then immediately, like, my managers were like, this is a lot harder than we've thought. And I took a fight with uh, a very formidable person, Richard Odoms. And, I mean, like, he had vastly large amount more experience than I did. And, you know, I felt like when we got in that fight, I matched up pretty evenly with, with him. And, you know, at the end, his experience uh, won the fight. And, you know, it was a big learning lesson for me personally. And I, I'm very thankful for that fight. But it just became a more difficult path to find fights. I was taking fights on week notice. Uh, like, like I was getting emails to fight in South Africa. I was, you know, I was like, you know, if this is the only place I can fight, I won't fight there. And... I also took a fight on week notice, even after having a manager. Then I switched teams um, a couple of years later with the team I at, Uridium, and I was talking to Jason. I'm like, yo, Jason, how's it finding me an opponent? And he was like, dude, this is a lot harder than it should be. He goes, you are one of the tougher clients that it comes to finding opponents. He goes, we really need to get you. A couple fights and get your you into the UFC so people ain't running from you and I'm like all right I'm like I'll do my part and because I'll do mine and sure sure surely enough you know look at like where we are now
0: absolutely and and I, I know you mentioned in there fighting in South Africa which you actually did quite a few times for EFC as one of kind of you know, the only American guys down there, right? Like, the, they have, you know, a pretty large contingency of African fighters. They've got some European fighters that, that go down there and fight there. What what was that time like, being, you know, like the the American in an organization that's largely you know, not filled with too many Americans?
3: Uh, I, honestly, uh, it didn't bother me. Uh, I, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, they were really nice I love the organization. I, I can't talk down to it. Uh, you know, I know there was a few Americans that worked for it, so that was always cool to kind of, like, you know, hear some of them. But, hell, there was even kind of a weird rift between me and some of the Americans there. I was just like, all right, like, you guys are kind of assholes. Like, you're you're kind of the reason why people look down on us. Uh, like one of their, uh, uh, was it, there was a female fighter that I've, uh, fought on a card with once here in the States that eventually fought out there in, uh, EFC too. And I mean, honestly, by the time, like, our paths crossed, I was like, you, you were, I'm like, you are the reason why. I, some countries hate us. I'm like, you are not necessarily the this little princess you uh, claim to be. I'm like, all right, whatever, and I, I like, and I, I kind of wiped my hands clean of that whole situation. But it's just, but to be honest with you, that was one of my favorite organizations. They liked having me there. It was fun. You know, I technically spent that between the camp and stuff I spent about or all the times i've fought out there about a month month and a half out in south africa and you know it was a fun trip
0: cool cool and now let's get back to, to the topic on hand too because you're obviously fighting sergey spivak a guy who uh has got some pretty good grappling in his own right he, he looked pretty good in his earlier fights uh in that facet is, is that a place you feel like you have an advantage in this fight do you feel like you are clearly the superior grappler
3: You know, to be honest, I can't give a true answer to that because he's, I I want to say, either judo or sambo. Now, if he's judo, I think there might be a chance that I might have the advantage on him. But if he's sambo, I really haven't gone with too many sambo people. Now, grappling's grappling. You know, you just need to know how to you know, use your weight in certain grappling uh, with certain grapplers. You know, you're not going to be heavy leaning uh, with a jiu-jitsu person as you, if you were going with a wrestler and then you're mm-hmm. going to be more heavy on your back foot with a judo guy than you would be with a wrestler. So, I mean, you kind of have to figure out like the style that they play and then you have to formulate to that. Now, I think Servier has a very strong uh, grappling background, but if he thinks that he's going to just come in and just out grapple me, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, we could maybe potentially stalemate each other because, you know, it's not just jiu or sambo. We're punching each other, too. So that could be a great equali- equalizer on either end of the uh, either end of the fight. So... I think we might have to be resourceful and just, you know, fight an uh, MMA fight, ground and pound, submissions, and stand up. And I do think I actually have the better stand up than he does.
0: And is that that sort of, you know, usually I, I end these interviews with asking somebody for a prediction. Is that the way you see this ending? You, you see you being able to outstrike him and put him away that way?
3: No, I'm going to do a spinning uh, or uh U- 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 gonna roll to a heel hook. That's my plan. Oh, even you got that- long legs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, that would definitely be the very first time we saw an Imanari roll to a heel hook in the heavyweight division. That that's your official prediction. First round, Imanari roll to a heel hook.
3: I'm gonna give it a second.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, well, you heard it here first, folks. Jared Vandera with a rolling Imanari roll into a heel hook in the second round against Sergey Spivak. That fight takes place, of course, at the UFC Apex on February 20th. Jared, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
3: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Cage Side Press for having us on, giving us a host in a mothership. And, of course, our sponsors, Maroon Social, Jock Market, Better Than Vegas, and Viget. Make sure you follow them as well as us on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We're also on Instagram. You can check us out there, at Top Turtle MMA as well. And until next week, I'm Daniel gumby Reeling. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we'll catch
1: you then.